Hello and welcome to My First Dungeon, the tabletop role-playing podcast where we put first-time game masters through their paces as we build and run their very first one-shot, and then circle back around to discuss what went right, what went wrong, and how we can make our games even better. At least, that's what we normally do. This season, we've been exploring GMless games, learning to play without a guide, and exploring the wonderfully pastoral game of Wander Home. Last episode, we played our very first session of Wander Home without a guide, and we're here today to talk about how it went and what things we took away from the game. Joining me again is our cast from last week's game. First off, we have Michelle Chan Bennett. Hi, I'm Michelle Chan Bennett. I played uh, Sal Pachinko, the <laughs> Hellbender. Um, which is a giant salamander native to Japan. Um, veteran playbook. Happy to be here. Happy to feel like I ruined the game. Not (laughs) at all. Happy to talk about. We have Elliot Davis. Hey, Elliot Davis. Uh, I played Tipper, the vole moth tender. Pronouns he him. We have Abby Hepworth. Hello, I'm Abby Hepworth. I played Gladish the Ram, uh, the Shepherd playbook, and her pronouns are she, her. And Shanook to Sarah. Hey, I'm Shanook. I played Nuki, the star nosed mole, they, them, and uh, the fool playbook. And as always, I am Brian Flaherty. I played Thelonious Trinket, the elephant peddler, uh, pronouns he, him. Awesome. And once again, I'm very pleased that the creator of Wander Home, uh, excuse me, the now multi any award winning Wander Home Yay! is here to talk to us about our game. Interesting. <laughs> once again, Jay Dragon. Jay, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. My name is Jay Dragon. As mentioned, I'm the creator of Wander Home and I'm the editorial director at Possum Creek Games. It is a delight to be here. Thank you all. It's a delight to have you. And congratulations again on the uh, the awards win for Wander Home. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very, I'm very honored and appreciative that the that the voters at the Annies felt that our game lined up in those ways. So, best uh, best family friendly game slash product. <laughs> last year, <laughs> last uh, last year, Mouse Ritter won that, and so the little bit of an in joke is that uh, that's the award for best uh, best animal game. Is <laughs> your game has animals in it? It's going. You're in the running for a uh, for best family friendly game. So my first question uh, is for you, Jay. How did we do? Um, it sounds like you had fun. Am I wrong? Am I mistaken? Did you? I think did I you? had a ton of fun. It sounded like you had fun. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah, it's an absolute that, blast. That uh, that I can't. You know, I it, it was very zany. Uh, but you know, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. It sounded like you had fun. Therefore, you had fun, right? You played it well. What you know, it's. It's a game. <laughs> I'm not a nitpicker. And as we say, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. So, you know, we, we did something right, at least. Exactly. Uh, for, for everybody else, how did you guys feel about, because uh, I know this is everyone's first time playing a game without a GM, without a guide. How did you guys feel uh, coming out of it? What was like easier than expected or harder, or different than you expected? Uh, one thing that I... Now that I've done it once, feel better prepared to do, but felt very awkward doing was um, like sharing custody of the uh, kith and of the location and and all those things and wanting to, 
you know, you feel that pull to step in and describe something or become somebody or play some part. But I knew I wasn't the person who had initiated it and uh, or initially like created that kit or something. And so it felt very awkward doing it. But the more we each kind of did it, it was so fun and so freeing, which was lovely. And now I feel like, okay, next time we play, I feel a lot more confident jumping in and taking more collective ownership and not feeling so protective or cautious of, of what each person like assigning what each person created or, you know. Yeah. The, the, the one thing that I noticed what was Jay was something that you said uh, in the first episode was that the characters really come alive. Once you start asking the question, the question aspect, asking questions of your fellow characters and that was especially true in this. Like, I think I had a decent idea of who everyone was. And then we asked those questions and all of that got turned on its head. And I was like, oh, OK, now I see who Nuki is. Now I see who who Sal Pachenko is. Uh, and that was a really fun, like, discovery. But like, that was one of my favorite parts of the game was just that, like, very freeform discovery time. In the original kind of conception of belonging outside belonging, as outlined by Avery Alder and Benjamin Rosamum, they talk about this idea of idle dreaming as an approach to playing the game, which is to say that the game is about kind of that exploratory questioning where it's like you're asking questions of each other and being like, oh, you know, you know, what if this or like, what if that or like, I don't know, how about this? And kind of like bouncing ideas around and kind of this in, in this way that, you know, it's very like she describes kind of this like conversational wandering. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted Wander Home. I didn't include that in the text of Wander Home. But I think that it it comes out when you like like if you play it for a while, especially you kind of start to think about it in that idle dreaming kind of way oftentimes. And it's very much what you're describing. It was a very yeah, rewarding aspect of the game that I, I wasn't expecting to like as much as I did, uh, which was very mm-hmm. fun. Uh, I was going to say I was surprised that we like and I think this happened in that conversation and then sort of in the one or two scenes afterwards mm-hmm. of like how much we all just aligned on like a tone of the story you were saying, uh, Jay, you were just mm-hmm. saying that it was very zany. And I think that mm-hmm. pretty quickly we were all just on board with zany and it was like, okay, we're doing, mm-hmm. this is a zany game. And like there was, mm-hmm. I think with, a uh, imagining playing a GMless game, I was like, oh, well the tone will just be like all over the place, but like it, it coalesced relatively smoothly. I feel like oftentimes the, the, the way in which like when you're playing a game that's like players and GM, Oftentimes, because of the different levels of kind of capacity to set the tone, you'll oftentimes get a little bit of like a tonal mismatch um, because the GM will kind of have this outsized authority. And it's like when you play Wander Home and there's one person who feels that way and it's a guideless game, they'll still kind of be able to bring their, you know, whatever kind of GM-esque, you know, pathos or whatever into the space. It just, I think it won't create, it doesn't create the same feeling of like pushing back and forth because we're all kind of equally bringing our tone. And so I think it allows the game to kind of go in the direction you want it to go. Right. And whatever kind of like emotional, you know, like alleyway y'all, y'all need or a feeling right now. You know, kind of on that note, I know Michelle, when we talked in episode one, you were particularly worried about like world building and acting as a game master. And one of the first things that you said was like, Oh yeah, there's a bank hidden beneath the the world, and and that like became the the whole first act of the of the show. Yeah, I just uh, I went full upright Citizens Brigade and just said something and didn't think. Uh, and 
you know, that's sort of, yeah, you know, that's my trauma. And, <laughs> um, and so I, uh, we just went with it, which was great. It seemed like everyone was excited about it. So, cause immediately mm-hmm. when I said it, I was like, what are you doing? This is supposed to be like, we're supposed to go through nature and you just sent everyone into, um, a financial institution. Um, that's great. Uh, but yeah, that was, I was going to add everything. Like, I just, I feel like for me, the tone became very clearly like we were just having really a lot of fun after we asked the questions of like exploring the relationship between the characters and so like that really became the focus and the fun for me was that it was like it was very low stakes if I just said we're gonna go into a bank because (laughs) like however these characters interact in any sort of absurd environment would be very fun uh, Mm -hmm. for the game so it paid Mm -hmm. off but you know, I'll I'll never stop apologizing for it being like there's a bang. <laughs> oh, no, don't! I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was such a wild That's swing. So like going through the book, and we were doing the the mm-hmm. nature's aspects, and like you know, we I think we picked like Metropolis and like Mountain, and then I'm like Michelle, what do you want? And it's like basement underground bank. And I was like, At, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's That's absolutely yeah. what we're doing. I will say, I was shocked when. Shanook was describing a city and then you said a metropolis and then I was like can that be in the game and I was like fe- like I was like feverishly scrolling through the playbooks to be like is there a metropolis is that a thing or did we just blow this whole thing <laughs> Wanderhome is Wanderhome the way I think of Wanderhome this is a, a thing that uh, Vincent Baker talks a lot about with Apocalypse World which is this kind of thinking of it almost like an an onion where um there's the kind of like core, like the core of Wander Home is like talking about things in a Wander Homish way. And then you add these layers on top of it and you can kind of get very peripheral and like stuff like lore, for example, like all the lore about the King of the Floating Mountain or whatever. That's like the edge of the onion. Right. But like you can peel off layers of the onion and still have the onion. Right. Like you can like. And the game is designed with, like, the the natures, for example, where it's, like, the first 18 natures, I think, are very, uh, are, like, very, like, in line for Wanderhome. And then the second 18 natures are all kind of intentionally stepping outside of that zone a little bit in different ways. So that your game of Wanderhome, you can either play really close to what the book is suggesting, or you can go out there. And it still all feels kind of encompassed in this space, right? It's still all part of the onion, right? Like, not all the art feels like it lines up right. There's still the, there's still the onion struck. Right? They're still playing Wander Home, right? You can really distill it down to a core, and it's like that core is still present. It's still Wander Home, you know. Abby, I know when we were talking about things that we were nervous about, you were particularly nervous about not having a game master to be there to like set the bounds to say like, no, are you sure, or to like. You you wanted a, a containment on your enthusiasm or on your imagination. You didn't have that. H- how did you feel? Did, was that as big a worry as you thought it would be, or did that like was that more freeing than you thought it would be? It it was yeah. I think it was more freeing in the end of like it. I guess it's funny because I don't know exactly what my fear was if I was asked to like really hone in on it because things did get super weird, super fast, (laughs) but in a way that was like delightful and still playable. And we were all like on board with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it, it was nobody like broke the, um, 
nobody made a suggestion that was like so far out of left field that it didn't fit into what we were currently doing of like, and then it all explodes or it's like, and now all of a sudden we're in space and it's like, how on earth did we get there? Um, and and so things got funky, but it was always within the context of the story. And I think it's because all of us were really in it. And so, yeah, it ended up being like, yeah, it got weird, but in a really wonderful way that felt like we had the freedom to make those kooky swings. Um, without breaking anything yeah yeah i think that like it so i've done a lot of work in alternative education as well and um there's a lot of school models that are like private school models that are built around reducing or removing kind of the status of teachers or even teachers in the classroom and it's interesting how much concerns around those structures mirror concerns around gmless games where it's like Without a teacher, the kids will descend into anarchy and chaos and they'll be Lord of the Flies. <laughs> and it never does that. I've never met kids who are more adept at, like, because the kids, like, so I used to volunteer at a, at a school that's like a school with no teachers, and the kids wrote the rules. And the kids self-enforced the rules, where if you broke a rule, the kid would, like, write you up and send you to the, to the committee of other kids who would enforce the rules. And I've never met kids who are more little, like, shit lawyers than them. <laughs> Just because they would all, I'm sorry, but like, they would all be like, they would be like, yeah, so in section three, which I had a hand in writing when I was seven years old, in section three, it's against the rules to, like, climb on the swing after 4 p.m., right? Like, they have these, like, you know, they, like, they know, like, and it, it turns out that when you have a group of people autonomously generating ideas it can get a little farther away from what you might like initially conceive of, right? Like it kind of strays away from what you might expect, but because everyone's kind of having that hand in, in building it, there's still kind of, it's like, okay, we're all, we're all, you know, we're all happy on this weird little Island, right? Like it might not look like what you expect from outside, but you know, for, for, you know, for all of us over here building this thing, the rules work the way, you know, the things we make work the way we need them to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely so much fun I, I love the idea of just like little kids being little shit lawyers it's so much fun yeah oh it's so fun it's so fun and like the like it's it's so like nothing is quite as funny as like um like i was um there was like a there was like a committee meeting and so it was like a there's like a bunch of kids were there and there's one like 10 year old sitting in this big plush chair who was the like the the like the person in charge of the committee would be like order order as like the the like one of the volunteers who had like the the old man who handles the accounting is like i think this and the kid is like heard (laughs) and then like a 12 year old is like i don't know about that (laughs) it it goes against our principles as outlined in this giant heap and binder we have that has like all of our rules (laughs) it's really it's really funny that's amazing (laughs) I think during this game, we all got a chance to kind of go through and play both our characters and play some of the kith. And we like, I know Chinook, you and I kind of swapped uh, kith a couple times, especially specifically the um, the <laughs> the worm, the centipede, yeah, the the, the mm. public transit centipede. Yeah. Um, oh, hell yes, Jimmy John, baby, Jimmy, Jimmy John, Jimmy John. <laughs> Chinook, when, when when that was kind of happening, did you? How did you feel about like sharing the ownership of? those like characters and those elements it like it felt much easier and like because you didn't like you weren't like having to think of like all right what's this guy what's this character gonna do next or like what is this character like you just knew someone would if like you were doing something at the moment like yeah someone in the group would pick it up and like 
be like, oh, cool. The centipede shows up and does this thing. Or like you had control, but also you knew people had your back in a way that you didn't need to always know what was happening next. And it was like freeing and like liberating. Like, oh, I could just exist and something will happen eventually. Like, well, maybe we'll sit here in silence awkwardly for like a quick second. And someone will be like, oh, I should do something. But something will happen. And it felt like, yeah, I can, I had like, as I think the game went on, I felt more and more like, oh, I could just pick up and like send us to a character that someone made because I want to explore that character that someone made. Um, and I think that's what like led us to, to uh, that ending uh, that Michelle <laughs> blew away. I, I think it is a good time to talk about Sal uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pachinko and uh, what was it? Bobby Linguini? the the elephant in the room uh Uh, because i mean it's easily my favorite part of the game the relationship between salpachenko and bobby linguini michelle you stumbled into every dungeon master's worst nightmare where two characters have to talk to each other and you've got to play both of them but you did it so well it was so much fun um (laughs) what what, what'd you think of that whole uh, that whole time uh my first thing was like Man, this voice is too similar to friggin' <laughs> Chinook's Jimmy John centipede. Like when the centipede came on, I was like, "Shit!" I was like, "What's Bobby Linguini gonna be?" But, like one um, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I mean, it was it was fun. I I was like, I made that that kith and was like, I love this guy. Um, but I don't know if we'll ever play it. And then Chinook was like, we have to go to Bobby Linguini's house. So I was like, all right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, the biggest stressor was I was like, I don't want them to think that I'm doing this because I want my kith to like be in, you know what I mean? That it's just like, now it's Bobby Linguini time. (laughs) I like, I was just like, okay, we're here. And I feel like I have a really clear vision. So I should just, I should just do this character. And I think it'll be really fun. But I felt bad because I, at that point felt like I had co-opted the whole game. Cause I was just kind of like making decisions. I was like, I got to get the egg from the bank. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> and then I was like, and then when Chinook mentioned Bobby Linguini, I was like, okay, well, Bobby Linguini is going to be able to open the egg. Because in, in his description, I was like, he can just do any odd job or like always knows someone that can like steal something for you. You know what I mean? Like he's really street smart. So he just has like under the table resources or can like figure stuff out. And so it kind of just locked in. But I don't know. I feel like my my training brought me to that point um, <laughs> to be the two characters, and it was really fun. And it was it was fun to just kind of like see that it went really well of me just sort of doing like Italian minstrelsy. I will say I am Italian. <laughs> there is some ownership there. <laughs> I didn't want viewers to be like sort of like their glasses shattering in their hands. Like, Italian. How, how dare you um, make fun of Italian people? <laughs> my, my grandpa, and, uh, my and grandpa It was fun to get into this. like food. I love when like, I love fa- fantasy food and stuff like that. And then um, it was funny when Abby was like, no, there isn't something outside of the city with the water in it. Bobby Linguini has to have the solution. <laughs> so that was a good moment of us like collaborating as game masters when Abby like did a slight course correct. And I was like, oh, yeah, Bobby's got it. Bobby's got it. Bobby's got it. Like, without <laughs> yeah, saying absolutely. anything. Because um, mm-hmm. we, we had to wrap up. So I mm-hmm. I feel like I was just going for it and it went OK. <laughs> My biggest stress was like, I don't want them to think I just want Sal to have all the attention. 
And I, I really think that and it, maybe it comes from like a lot of us being improvisers and things, but it's one of those moments where you see someone like going and you're like, oh, our job is to get out of the way. <laughs> our job is to assist <laughs> this madness. This is the madness that is fun. We will stay on this fun. Big Bobby. Big Bob. Papa loves Mamba. <laughs> but it, I mean, it Ding. was satisfying that it was like so zany, but it really was true to a character I thought would be useful in the game. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, Someone absolutely. who could just like do shit for you. Um, so that was a nice sort of coalescing of that, of being like, it was insane and very true to, I feel like, my personality on the team and then like what everyone was just going for. Like we were just being nuts. But also, like, that fantasy character worked really well in that environment and ended up making you purple pasta. Like, what's more fun than that? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. What would a character do if they knew they were part of a story? What would they say to the author that is pulling their strings? In Samantha Lee's solo RPG, Death of the Author, players take on the role of a character fighting for control over their narrative. Draw tarot cards and modify scene prompts to bend the story to your will. Each change, however, comes with a consequence, as the author may use your own words against you. Death of the Author is crowdfunding on Backerkit from May 14th to May 28th. You can find the project by searching Death of the Author Backer Kit in your search engine of choice. Fight the narrative. Defy your author. Little Wolves is a folktale TTRPG where players fill the fur of shape-shifting werewolves in a realm of fae and of magic called the Enchanted Forest. Players will craft physical masks that represent their characters and use them during play to shift between their wolf and their mortal forms. As they perform favors and complete quests, new marks are made on their masks that reflect the real physical changes that the werewolves undergo. The Enchanted Forest is deep and detailed with fey queens, courts, and all manner of denizen for your werewolves to meet. The crowdfunding campaign for Little Wolves launches May 14th. You can follow the campaign at bytes.rip slash littlewolves. That's B-Y-T-E-S dot R-I-P slash littlewolves. And you can check out the free demo and quick start at bytes.rip slash little demo. Hey there, it's Elliot from the Many Sided Media team. In addition to playing and producing here on My First Dungeon, I'm also a game designer known for such games as Something is Wrong with the Chickens, a rules-like game of chickens, eldritch horror, and revenge. Project Echo, a solo time travel game played in the pages of a planner. And the upcoming Rom-Com Drama Bomb, a three-player game of meat-cutes and mayhem. 
If you like weird and unique games and want to bring something new to your table, head to moreblueberries.shop and use code MYFIRSTDUNGEON for 20% off your order. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot shop. Thanks! Yeah, and I, I'm I'm curious. I want to know. Um, uh, what did it? The you mentioned the course correction. I wonder, like, oftentimes in like in DM'd games, there's not really that same course correction. Did that? Like, do you feel like there was that? Like, do you feel like you were watching out for each other? Do you feel like that was that was present? Do you feel that like came forward more, or like how how did that? How like what was the like? Did you notice your playing patterns changed when there wasn't a GM there to kind of give you a a, a structure? Right, we've talked a little bit of that. But I'm just curious. I was gonna say I feel like it it um like thinking about the position as a player in a in a in a traditionally like GM'd or DM'd game. It's like you're working towards uh, overcoming things presented at you, and there's like a there's like a versus element in Mm -hmm. a way like gm versus player not obviously not always and there's a lot of collaboration as well but it felt like as a player in this i felt like like my job is to like play this character and also so like the support role felt built into like everybody where it's Mm -hmm. like oh i like what you're doing so like i'm gonna like like you said brian either uh get out of the way and let you run with this a little bit or like pop in and like and like build on it so yeah definitely felt like that was more implicit in my role as a player in this game versus like a GM'd game. Yeah. I guess to that point, it was like, I think in like a GM'd game, like your character, like the structures and like your story, the GM like is kind of responsible in like bringing that out. And mm-hmm. to a degree with it, like a GMless game, it's like on you to like bring not only like your character to life, but also like to bring everyone else's character to life and also like help bring like the kits they're playing. Like I think at mm-hmm. one point, Abby's doing magic and we're all just like supporting on like a kit that isn't hers and just like supporting that and like, Oh, what are fun ways you can play with this character and like do mm-hmm. things with this character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really just like, Oh, buying it. on like, we're creating this together. It's not just one person's job to mm-hmm. explore these characters. It's all of us that have to do this. I am really excited to go back and at some point, at some point in the near future, play a GM, like play a game of Dungeons and Dragons after having played this, because it has given me a new perspective on like how to be more collaborative as a dungeon master, like how to ask more of your players and how to invite them in more that I think will be really exciting, really interesting to play a, like another session of Dungeons and Dragons and see how that gets incorporated, how like some of the wander homeness comes into a swords and fantasy type game. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like my, Dungeons and Dragons table, like, which was sadly mostly comedians, like, <laughs> we would do kind of what we did where we would just get obsessed with one thing, like a really small detail that was happening and like, and just start riffing for like 90 minutes. And then it's like, there's a whole nother element of this. So like, but I would feel this element of guilt because obviously this DM had spent so much time 
planning like the plot and sort of like the perspective journey that we could take right and there was like supposed to be a mission that we were on like Mm -hmm. right like a quest and I would feel bad because we would spend so much time just experimenting with like powders we found right and seeing like what (laughs) jokes we could come out of that but Mm -hmm. that's the that's the name that's the ethos of this right is that like our mission is just to see what the other people say too and like go with that and so there was Obviously, I'll feel guilt no matter what because that's, you know, part of my personality. But uh, <laughs> but it was kind of just like uh, we could just go into little details and like play with the kits or do whatever because the fun was in mm-hmm. the relationships between the characters and whatever they were finding or some mm-hmm. weird bank. You know what I mean? That we were just mm-hmm. in. Um, mm-hmm. And there wasn't – even though we were in a time crunch – kind of mm-hmm. it was like we weren't beholden to sort of all of the work that someone mm-hmm. did to put us on a certain course right and i i think that was pretty liberating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think there also is a little um in some ways it felt like there's more connection between each of the players because mm-hmm. i don't necessarily mean it when i say we are holding each other accountable but it is the kind of thing of like when in in again D and D, when somebody does something, you kind of look to the DM like, is that allowed? Are they okay? Like, is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. And they're the person who is like checking everyone. And this was a lot more of. It felt more relaxed and less like a I need to check in with everyone and do sorts of things. Of a like, uh, you could connect and and build those things, and it felt like a better way to to suggest or guide or pivot and have it not be like a no or you know it it didn't feel like a hard no saying it to people and you're also not counting on anybody else to be like yeah nah that's just not how the game works Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it was a little more connected there were no like none of the solutions or next steps were locked behind any one person's like brain which was cool like it was like if we if you were like one person's doing something and like you all of a sudden decide, well, like, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to work out. Like here I can jump in and like play the GM for a second and be like, yeah, it worked and we're moving. Like we don't need to be like uh, checking. It it's, yeah, it, nobody locks. Nobody is holding the gate to the next the next step of what's happening, which makes it really flow. Uh, a literal moment of what you're talking about happened in the bank when everyone was like, what was the third test to get the egg? And I was like, I, I just walked up, said it was me. Because <laughs> I was just like, we can just move. <laughs> I was like, one, this is a good punchline. And two, we can just move on. You know what yeah, I mean? We're it doesn't done. have to be we a don't need to linger, thing. Yeah. Like the group can move on and now we have this egg together. <laughs> Um, so it wasn't like, if we don't solve this riddle, we won't get, we won't be able to move on. Yeah, the game's <laughs> over. Like, don't worry about it. We're, yeah. We got it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So after having played a guideless game, so I, I know I'm very keen to play Wanderhome again. I'm curious from everybody else, if you, if you played Wanderhome again, would you want to have it remain a guideless game? Would you want to play another guideless GMless game? Or would you be interested in trying it as a, a game with a guide, a game with a tr- more traditional game master? For playing Wander Home again, one thing that I feel like we could have benefited from, and it's not so much like a GM as it would have been like a benefit of having a person who played it before to like remind us about like tokens 
and some of the more like, <laughs> I don't want to call them rules, but like the more structured parts of Wanderhome where it would have been. Uh, so it's, yeah, playing it again, I feel like I would really like the benefit of having a person be like, remember, there's this tool to kind of get a better sense of that aspect of the game. And I think that was something that like early on my like love for mechanics and and game design got me like really stuck in a spot where I was like, oh, I really want to like use the tokens and like let this play in. But then like to Jay, what you were saying earlier, we ended up more just playing the that core of the onion that you were talking about. And that was great as well. And as soon as I let go of like trying to make the tokens a thing when it wasn't really necessary to have a good time, it was like we're still we're still playing Wander Home, even if we're not using all the it never didn't feel like we were playing Wander Home, even though we weren't using the tokens. But I, I agree, Abby, it would be uh, fun to play again and like think about that stuff and maybe incorporate more of it. And also to see like what that because we, we didn't actually like use the one mechanic of the game, what that. Only <laughs> <you know? laughs> <laughs> one. Jay did so much work and we said, nah, we're good. We, we can do it ourselves. <laughs> dude, dude I, I, all of all the work I did, it was that was the one mechanic is not the container. Of the work <laughs> <I did. laughs> but I'd say the questions did so much of that work. Like yes, the, the, the questions and the pick lists and everything of mm. like uh, did so much of the work of like the uh, so we all felt so specific to those characters those were those were like i i joke a lot about like wander home took like two months to write and then eight months to edit and literally there was a separate editor who's just responsible for every single list in the game and whenever there's a list that means that like there was one person whose job was to go through that list and be like this option's bad this option's good this option should be at the front this option should be at the back like Every single list got like fine tooth combed. And I think that, yeah, like, you know, like I joke, but genuinely to me, creating characters who feel very alive and grounded in relation to each other is almost more of like more of the, the thrust of the text than like the token mechanics. Like the token mechanics are designed to kind of be able to go to the wayside if you're really invested in these other parts of the game, right? Because the game doesn't live in the mechanics. It lives in the, you know, kind of space you're building. Mm-hmm. I am very curious to know that, to know, it, you know, if we, if we played again and actually use these mechanics, what avenues they would open up to us, like what surprise we would get from like incorporating, oh, I have this token, I'm going to use it in this way. Would we find even more new and more interesting ways to like access different parts of our character, access different parts of the game or find uh, interesting avenues for the story to go. The tokens definitely get into, I think also the small and forgotten gods a little bit because that's oddly kind of the part of the game where they show up the most. Mm -hmm. And I think games that utilize the tokens much more tend to lean much more towards the kind of contemplative reflective side of wander home in part, because there is a get a token when you leave an offering to a God, spend a token to like ask the gods what they think about something, right? Like, there, you kind of end up with that little like spirituality loop happening on the side. And I, I think we, we touched on it every now and then, and then very quickly veered right back into Zany. <laughs> we took the, the small pauses to admire the rooftop, and we're like, hey, I bet I could eat those rocks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you should, as you should. That's, that's game, yeah. Gotta make sure you can eat the rocks. Yeah, that was a thing that that when we were getting towards like the end of the recording and also being just aware while we're playing 
that like this was for like a podcast. Um, I was so sad that it was coming to an end. I was like, there's so many avenues I want to go down and so many things I want to explore with all these people and characters and, and, and things. But I was like, we got to wrap it up. And I was like, I want, I want to keep going. I want to see more of Bobby Linguini. I want to go down to this lake and meet the, uh, was it witch or mermaid or, you know, I want to go see these things, do these places, go see where we go up in the mountain and, and, uh, yeah, it's addictive. And new Stork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to check out New Stork. Did we make you proud, Jay? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's always an honor when people play my games. It's the, it's, it's really interesting. Like, in, in when you're writing a novel or when you're writing a book, it's like a great act of care for someone to just read the thing you wrote. Like that's very, that's very like meaningful and important. It's, it takes so much work to play something than it does to read it. Right, like playing a game. It's such a like a deep expression of like I read the thing you wrote and I liked it so much that I'm gonna g- get a bunch of my friends and deal with scheduling in order to hang out together and then take the words you wrote and like transform them into this second art form that you know iterates beyond the book right it's like it would be like if every time someone read a novel they were like this was wonderful I'm gonna adapt it into a TV show right like that was how you sh- like that's just what you did when you read a novel it was like oh this is great I'm gonna adapt it into a TV show I'm gonna like put on a production of this play. Uh, so it feels, of course, of course you, you did, you know, you, you had a wonderful time. It seemed like a lot of fun. Uh, it was funny. It was charming. It was delightful. Um, and like, yeah, that's, that's wanted home, right? That's a game. You had fun with your friends and, you know, like to me, I'm much more interested in games that, you know, kind of get at the prime, you know, what, you know, the primordial we're playing together. Right. And that's what you did. And it was awesome. And that's great. And that is all for my first dungeon, Wander Home. Thank you so much to Michelle, Elliot, Abby, and Chinook for joining me as players in this very pastoral season. I'm sure we're all going to be playing in the Haith again real soon. I know I certainly am. Anything you guys want to shout out before we go? I'll, I'll just quickly plug Wander Home is back in stock. We recently got a, an emergency shipment of a thousand softcover books. So head over to the website, possiblygames.com, pick up a copy of Wander Home. Uh, it is a gorgeous physical object. I think it really, like, it is a, it's a cool game. When you hold the book in your hands, it hits so different. It feels so different to, like, pick it and toss it around. So do go pick that up when you have a chance. Uh, and also, just really quick, Possum Creek Games as a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Possum Creek, where we put a lot of, like, our upcoming projects, including, like, you know, right now there's some, like, playbooks that might you know like playbooks i wrote and like rules for magic and wander home and like there's you know like drafts of all sorts of weird things and like articles about game design so if any of that there's a podcast if any of that is up your alley do check out the possum creek patreon thank you all i gotta say is long live bobby linguini long live bobby linguini (laughs) (laughs) chinook anything you want to plug we're setting up a Patreon for Bobby Linguini if you want more Bobby Linguini content. <laughs> Patreon, Patreon.com slash Robert Linguini. <laughs> Robert, J- Robert J. Robert Linguini. J. Linguini. Uh, and Elliot. Just play Wander Home. Uh, that's, I, I will second the plug. Go get those, go get those reprints. That's, that's what I'm plugging today. A huge thank you to Jay Dragon for guiding us through this adventure and for creating such amazing games. I'll throw my support too if you haven't already. Support the games. Find them at your friendly local gaming store. Go to the Patreon, possumcreekgames.com, possumcreekgames.itch.io. All the places, grab the games. 
And if you haven't checked out Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, you should also check that out because it's extremely cool. I can't wait for this thing to come out. And that's coming down the line. So something to look forward to. I hope when it comes out, you might have me on the show again because I think uh, y'all would really enjoy that one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've already yes. I've already got it scheduled. It's already going to happen. I'm so excited <laughs> about it. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Tune in again next season as we take a turn into something just a little bit darker. But for now, remember, if you're having fun, you're already doing it right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Woo. Oh, thank you all so much. This was this is a delight. Thank you. Thank you so thank much you. for coming. Yes, thank you. Jay, this was so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. If you're hearing this, that means you listen to every last second of this episode. If you're not caught up yet, that's great because then there's plenty more to listen to. But if you are caught up and you simply can't wait for the next episode, then you should head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and become a member of the Dice Pool. For just a few bucks a month, you'll get cast talkbacks, original games, and a full-length bonus actual play each and every month. As of the end of 2023, there is already over 20 hours of bonus audio, plus a whole bunch of other goodies to enjoy. So head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and jump into the dice pool. We'll see you there.